all right. You can be sure you thank you for standing. Let's take our Bible to turn to the Christmas story. I want you to look in Luke chapter number one. Oh my, I broke that camera. Mess my eyes up the rest of the service. I appreciate the privilege of getting to be here today. One of the young ladies, I told her, I, I said, uh, I said, you need to pray for me, honey. And she said, uh, we'll pray, Brother Buster. Then she came back over there where I was. And she said, uh, I don't think you can mess up. I said, don't say that. I'll mess up today. But uh, I do appreciate getting to be here. Luke chapter number one. And then when you find Luke one, find Matthew chapter number one. And we'll read from these different places. Luke chapter number one. And then Matthew chapter number one. I'm not going to read the entire account of the Christmas story, but I want to read the partial account. Went downstairs with Brother Barton and I saw the uh, everything set up down in the big bed. I said, well, I should have stayed in that bed last night. I, he said, well, there's going to be Scrooge in it tonight. I said, I'd have fit Scrooge just fine. If you'd have talked to Barb and Beck, they'd have said he is Scrooge. And, uh, I appreciate our young lady, our pianist this morning. She's done a tremendous job. And then I appreciate the men that's on. Man, I'll tell you, we got a new sheriff on team. You will be singing at sheriff on. You will be singing for Brother Buster at sheriff on. You did great. I believe they can do it on the radio. Amen. And, uh, that was tremendous. I mean, they, they hit those notes and went up. I thought, man, I didn't know they had it in me. And uh, I do appreciate this church. Appreciate you being a friend to me, helping me, and standing with me in the ministry. And uh, we've been had back surgery since I was here last and trying to recover from that. Somebody said, how's your back? I said, it's there. I know it's there. And, uh, but it's just part of our vocare. Somebody said, what's that word? It means our calling. And it's just part of what we're having to carry with us. It's part of maybe the thorn in the flesh. And uh, just, it's just good to be saved, good to be alive. And uh, I thank God every day. I try to thank him for a new day and uh, the ability to get up and go. I remember I was sitting there at uh, the doctor's office after I had surgery, and uh, there's a lady by the name of Miss Bumgarner. That's a hard name to forget, uh, Miss Bumgarner. And she was twisted in every way. I mean, she was uh, arthritis, crippling arthritis. Her back was twisted. Her neck was twisted. She was probably some 70 years old, and I felt like I'd seen her in revival service in Knoxville somewhere. And she kept looking at me, and I was reading a book on the sufferings of the Christians by Dr. S.B. Myers. She kept looking at me, and then they called her name. They said, Miss Bumgardner, and uh, she began to rock. She began to rock in that chair, and I thought, well, I'll go over there and help her, but I could I could see the look on her face. She didn't want nobody touching her. After about seven or eight times, that little crippled body, she got her momentum going. She got up, and she hobbled. Her feet were twisted, too. She hobbled into the doctor's office, the blessed Holy Ghost told me, he said, son, you have nothing to complain about whatsoever. And you can always look around and find situations that are worse. But the Lord's been good to us. I appreciate another year and uh, the privilege to travel for him. And I do. I love you, Pastor. And the uh, feeling's mutual, uh, more so than you'll ever know. Uh, I was in a critical situation here uh, earlier this year. Well, it's right after the surgery, maybe about five weeks, six, seven weeks after the surgery. And uh, I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of acquaintances, but I only called one person. And I said, Brother Randy, I'm in trouble. I said, I need help. I said, uh, can you get a hold of Dr. Bob for me? And uh, he said, I'm on duty. He said, Brother Buster, I'm on duty. I'll be right. I mean, I was panicking, having a panic attack. And a lot of things was going on. And Brother Martin helped me. I got a hold of Dr. Bob, and Dr. Bob called me immediately. And uh, there's not many, many people you can call like that and count on. 
And I know you had so much on him. I said, Barbara, I hate to call him, but I said, I don't know anybody else to call right now but Brother Randy Barton. And uh, I appreciate friends like that. I really do. And God only knows how, what a blessing that uh, he's been to my life in time of a crisis. And I knew he had so much on him and running this ministry and the radio and everything that's going on. But I, I just appreciate him. Now, I'm sure, don't take him for granted, sir. Don't take him nor your pastor's wife for granted. Today's her birthday. She's 39 and holding. And uh, believing the Lord's going to come this year, and so she'll never get above 39. And uh, we appreciate them. And I mean, I love you. Love you in the Lord. Somebody said uh, they drove around the motel room last night, or the, the motel, motel, three times and couldn't find that Lincoln. And finally, they saw that the bullet truck. And uh, the Lord blessed us to be able to get that old truck. It's a lot older than it looks. And uh, I thought, well, I can ride in that truck and put my clothes in the back of that thing and, and uh, pull my motorcycle if I have to, you know. They get somewhere where I have to ride the motorcycle to get to meetings, and you never can tell about those things. <laughs> but it is good. Good to be sick. I'm glad you're smiling. And uh, in the midst of all that's going on, we can still smile. Merry heart does good like a medicine. What, that's what he said. A merry, that word medicine means a cure. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Let's read in Luke chapter number 1 first. Luke chapter 1. And I want to read in verse number 30. I believe that's the verse I want to read. Just one verse here. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. If you underline your Bible, I want you to underline the two words, Fear not. Fear not. And then in Luke chapter number 2 also, Luke chapter 2, verse number 10, And the angel said unto them, he said, talking to the shepherds, he said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Underline the words, two words, fear not. Now we have it in Luke 1, we have it in Luke 2. Now in Matthew chapter number 1, verse number 20, this is dealing with Joseph. And how the angel has showed up to speak to Joseph about Mary. But in verse number 20, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. There's those two words again, fear not. I want to preach on, there's, there's three different times that you'll find in the Christmas story, you'll find fear not. I want to preach on afraid of Christmas. Afraid of Christmas, or the fear that gripped their heart at the first Christmas morning. And I want to deal with that. You know, we look at Christmas and we think about it and we go back in our lives. Many of us, when we think about Christmas, we reminisce about days of old. Going to, I mean, I think about going to my grandmother's house, my dad's house. That's where we always went Christmas morning. And uh, Mamma would always have a big spread put out. And she lived in a little four room house. And man, there'd be about 30 of us show up. We'd be eating outside. Some of the men would go hunting. Some would go fishing. It's just according to how the weather was. And, and she always made those big old cakes, the stack cakes. Remember those? I mean, stacked up about this high. And all of those chicken and dumplings, and man, I can remember, I can almost smell that right now. And I haven't had anything to eat this morning, I can really smell it when I get to thinking about it. And I thought about, you know, when you thought about Christmas, it was the presents and, and cooking and going to grandma's and, 
And man, you know, finding the tree, maybe some of you used to cut trees. I've been noticing a lot. If I've been in the Carolinas the last two weeks and people are cutting trees and bringing them back, look like to Tennessee because we can't grow anything over there. And the snow, I remember there used to be some snow and we'd go sledding at Christmas. And a lot of things would run through your mind as you sit and reminisce about Christmas in your own life. And now some of our parents, some of our grandparents have gone home to be with the Lord, and things are just not like they used to be. But as you think about Christmas in the Bible, the first Christmas was not a time of festivity. It was not a time of gaiety and laughter and merriment, but it was a time of fear. Three different times the Holy Ghost used those two words, fear not. It's in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, dealing with the shepherds. Luke 1, 30, it's dealing with Mary. And then in Matthew chapter 1, in verse number 20, to Joseph. And to me, this seems strange that everything about the first Christmas speaks here about fear, about fear or afraid of Christmas. Now, come back with me to Luke chapter number 2. Now, I want to read a few of these verses here. In Luke chapter 2, verse number 8, the first thing I want to deal with is the watchers of the midnight. They were full of fear. And this is dealing with the shepherds now. Now, you've got to imagine, they're out there, and I'm sure that you've heard this preach and you've thought about it. You've had plays and dramas. and But think about the shepherds out there, and they're just out there by night. They're keeping their flocks and and, and it's dark and it's nighttime and they hear the regular sounds of the night and, and the lowing of the cattle and maybe the sheep are blading and things of this nature. And in verse number 8, chapter 2 of Luke, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. Now, that would be enough right there to scare any man. I mean, scare him literally to death. I mean, they're just out there, and they're speaking maybe one to another and about half asleep, and, and all of a sudden, from out of nowhere, appears the angel of the Lord came up upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Now, you would have thought that I had reason to rejoice. I mean, a glimpse of the angel of the Lord and then the glory of the Lord shining about them. Listen, it had been over 400 years since anybody had seen the glory of God. Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, closes out with the word curse. But now here, after 400 dark years of silence, that no open revelation from God Almighty, the glory of God appears out on the Judean hills. And to who? Unto shepherds, friend, as they were keeping their flock by night. And the Bible said, the angel said unto them, Fear not. I can imagine these men had backed up, fell to the ground, scared to death. And, and the Bible says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, can you imagine this scene, the watchers of the midnight? That's what I call them. They're out there and they're keeping their flocks. And as I said earlier, things are still and things are quite calm and they're simply doing their duty. And from out of nowhere, out of nowhere appears the angel of the Lord. 
Now, in what visible manifestation, I do not know. I have never seen the angel of the Lord. I promise you, it was enough to scare them, and it put fear in their hearts. And notice, I noticed three things as I watched these shepherds by night. Notice here, the atmosphere that was strange. All of a sudden, their atmosphere was changed from what they had been used to. They could hear that night the lowing of the sheep. They could hear the sounds that were normal, maybe the, the sounds of the night season and all of this. But sudden, suddenly the appearance of the angel of the Lord and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Now, hey, they were not shouting, they wasn't jumping up and down, they were not having the time of their life, but all of a sudden they were full of fear. They had not seen the glory, they had never seen the glory. All they had heard was about the glory of the Old Testament, how they had abode upon Solomon's temple, about the cloud, the pillar of fire by day, the pillar of cloud by, the pillar, pillar of fire by night, pillar of cloud by day, and the glory back then, but they'd never seen it, and all of a sudden it showed up and it scared them to death. And may I say the same thing that is almost true in the life of a sinner? Do you remember when we were lost and on our road to hell, and, and all of a sudden that the glory of the Lord showed up, and the Lord manifested himself to us that and made us, I'm not talking about the glory that makes you shout, I'm talking about the glory that makes you tremble, and makes you fear, and makes you conscious that you're a lost sinner on the road to hell. Here their atmosphere was all of a sudden strangely changed. And then also you can go to verse number 13, the Bible said, and suddenly, I mean, there's something about that word suddenly. Uh, there's the angel of the Lord. There's the glory of heaven. And then suddenly there was uh, the angel, a multitude, with the angel, a multitude uh, of the heavenly host. I mean, all of a sudden they get a glimpse uh, of the heavenly host that uh, Praising God. Can you imagine that? We've seen people praise God, but we've never seen the heavenly host that praise God and saying glory to God in the highest and on the earth peace, goodwill toward men. I'm saying their atmosphere was all of a sudden strange from what they've been knowing. And that same thing happened when I got saved in a sense, that God's glory was manifested in that he made me aware that I was a sinner. And I tell you what, the glory of the Lord, not that glory that makes you shout, but that glory that makes you understand and makes you aware that you're a lost sinner, that showed up in my life. And I'm going to tell you what it did, it made me fear. As a lost sinner, I didn't shout and jump up and down. But fear gripped my heart. I wasn't ready to meet God. I wasn't ready to die in the condition that I was in. And as a sinner on August the 8th, 1976, my atmosphere all of a sudden began to change. And then notice there's something else about these watchers of the midnight. The authority that showed up, which was the sovereign. These shepherds were brought face to face with God, if you let me use that. 
They were brought face to face with a manifestation of God Almighty through the angel of the Lord, through the heavenly host, and through those those heavenly hosts singing, they were brought to, as it were, face to face with God. Their lives were changed. Their plans were changed, friend. They were never the same after that night. And if you ever meet the Lord Jesus in saving grace, guess what he'll do? If he ever manifests himself and makes the Lord known unto you and you get saved, it'll change your plans, it'll change your will, it'll change you forever. You'll never be the same. I mean, God broke in on their lives. They'd never had that to happen before. I'm sure that maybe they knew a few of the Old Testament scriptures that they might have knew about Messiah would come. But I doubt these were theologians right here. These are simply shepherds, friend, keeping watch over their flock by night. But all of a sudden, I'm telling you, there was an invasion from another world. Amen. And on those Judea, you say, why did he show up to shepherds? Well, John said, behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus was born in a manger, and we understand that there was no room for him in the inn. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes. The very thing they used to wrap, excuse me, to wipe down the animals, that he identified himself with the animal kingdom as the Lamb of God. And so God saw fit to show up to shepherds. Who else would understand more about a lamb than a shepherd? (laughs) And so you see the atmosphere that was strange here. And the authority that was sovereign. I mean, God showed up as it were to shepherds. He bypassed the king. He bypassed Herod. He bypassed everybody else and showed up to shepherds. Amen. You see, God's sovereign. He does as He wills. He does as He pleases. He's never had to take us aside and check on His plan with us and say, what do you think about it? You know that. You know, understand that. He is the sovereign. Now, I'm going to tell you, they told me years ago, a few preachers, if I called them a name, you'd know them. And, and you'll think that they were right. But they said, Brother Buster, if you keep on with this sovereignty, if you keep on making much of God, it's going to drive you crazy. Yeah. They said, you'll lose your mind. And I have about lost my mind. But it's not because of the sovereignty of God. If anything, the one thing that's helped me keep my mind, hey, is that God is in control. He's running this thing. Sure. Now you say, well, if that's so, why did he let what happened September the 11th? Ever since 9 ever since September the 11th, I have heard people accuse God, and they say, well, God did that, and God, listen to me, God knew that was going to happen. He knows all things. He's omnipotent, friend. He's omniscient, and He's omnipresent. That means He knows, he knows all. He's everywhere, and He sees everything, and He's all-powerful. He could have stopped it, but He didn't stop it. But if you want to blame anybody, blame the devil. Blame the Muslim religion. Blame Allah. God Almighty didn't have a thing to do with Except God permitted it. He also permitted the bombing of Pearl Harbor. 
He also permitted, uh, if you will, in Acts 12, you've got James in the penitentiary and Simon Peter's there beside of him. God allowed James to have his head cut off and, and the whole Herod saw it please the people and he determined after Easter to have Simon Peter's head cut off. But the same God that let James die was the same God that delivered Simon Peter. You see, he saw it. And you can't figure him out. That you better try to learn how to face him out. Face him out. Don't try to figure him out. I'm telling you, I don't care if you got a hundred gigabyte of hard drive. I mean, you get to thinking on all that, it'll blow your computer. My boy come in, I mean, when he was little, and he said, Dad, I need to ask you a question. He's going to Christian school, you know. And he said, I mean, little, eight, nine, ten years old. He said, I said, okay, we'll take a ride, son. I saw it serious. Man, I didn't know what in the world. He said, Dad, I want to ask you something. God, he said, does God know everything? I said, well, that's what the Bible teaches, son. He said, you mean that, Daddy? God knows everything. I said, that's right. And now he said, well, Daddy, that means God knows who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved. I said, that's right. He said, well, Daddy, why does that mean he knows uh, how our money's going to come in, how it's not going to come in, uh, and he knows when you'll have a meeting, when you're not going to have a meeting? I said, yes. And he said, well, why don't you quit worrying then? I said, well, why don't you let me do the preaching and you do the repenting? And man, I mean, he come up with some doozy of questions. You ever had your children ask things like that? Hey, they come in one day, so I, they don't ask them where God come from. <laughs> well, I said, he come from wherever he wanted to come from. Because he's always been. He said, who created God? I said, nobody. Nobody created God. He said, when did he start? I said, he never had a start. He's always been. Now, honey, I'm going to tell you something. As Ralph Sexton Sr. used to say, we're on the little end of something big. Amen. And I'm glad I'm just hid with Christ in God. And I see right here the authority that was sovereign. God showed up to shepherd. Why, if we was going to announce the birth of a king, who would have stopped to tell shepherds? Oh, we'd have bypassed all that and went down, you know, to, to the courthouse or went to the president's office or the king's palace. But here, I'm talking about the watchers at midnight. They were afraid. They were scared. The atmosphere was strange. The authority which showed up was sovereign. But thank God there was assurance that was sweet in this message right here. You see, but the message was one of assurance. Man, they're afraid. They're scared. They've never seen the angel of the Lord. They've never beheld the heavenly host. And all of a sudden, in verse number 9, and they were sore, afraid exceedingly, and great what it means. And in verse 10, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all, to all people. Man, there was a message that came out of that, that angel's mouth that, that brought assurance, that, that brought assurance and calmness and serenity to the hearts of these men. Amen. You know what they did? Verse 15, Luke 2, and it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them. See, the angels went away. See, there was more than one because it said angels. The heavenly host began to sing and to praise God. How would you have liked to heard that? <laughs> and hey, I don't believe nobody else heard it except those shepherds. Everybody else was asleep. And it's like they got a personal audience and a glimpse in the glory world. 
And then it said the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go into Bethlehem and, and see this thing which has come to pass, that which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them that concerning this child. That I'm telling you in verse 18, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them that by the shepherds. That I believe the shepherds went everywhere saying, let us tell you. Man, let us tell you what happened. We was out there keeping our flocks. And, and all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord showed up. And, and then there was a heavenly host. And, and I'm telling you, great assurance was brought to our hearts. Amen. You see, by the way, in every bit of this, I see salvation. Now, I'm just saying the atmosphere was strange. It got that way when I got into conviction. It was different than what I'd been accustomed to. <laughs> and then I want to say the authority, which was sovereign. Now, I am not trying to say anything that I'm not trying to say. That may not make a bit of sense to you, but it makes a lot to me. God showed up to my life that day. God dealt with me that day. I've only met one other person that got saved August the 8th, 1976. God could have saved a thousand on that same day. But I'm telling you, He was sovereign in my life and that He showed up to me. To me. And then He showed up and when He did, I was afraid. I was scared. But thank God on my knees, blessed assurance came. Honey, I heard the message that cried out and repented and said, Oh, God, have mercy on me. And if you'll have me, if you'll forgive me, if you'll take me, here I am. And thank God the atmosphere changed again. And it went from tears of remorse and regret and repentance unto tears of rejoicing, friend. I just passed from death unto life. Do you see the watchers of the midnight on the first Christmas? They're seeing so we don't have to fear tonight, this morning, if you're saved with the grace of God. Somebody said, Brother Buss, you live over there next to uh, Alcoa, and then you live over there next to Oak Ridge. And, man, that's where they, boy, they ought to hear it, see about the height and security over there and everything at Oak Ridge. And, and man, that's over there where the, that's where the atomic bomb was made. I told him here a while back, I said, if that bunch wants to drop a bomb, I said, I hope it lands in my left hip pocket, because that's a that's the hip that's killing me from this back surgery. And it's goodbye world and hello Jesus. You can't intimidate a believer with death, friend. Now, some of this crowd acts like they're, they say they're saved, but when you get to talking about leaving out of here and checking out and, and going on, they get awful, get awful pale. I even said this the other day, and I, and I mean it from the depths of my heart. And God knows how much I really mean some people say, well, you're just a preacher. Well, I heard one preacher say, I'm not, he said, I'm not just a preacher now. He said, I'm a preacher. Well, I don't know what he's doing before then, but I'm preaching before and I'm preaching now, friend. If, and I know God's making up a load this afternoon. I know there'll be a load go out today to heaven. And if he wants to put me on that load, well, glory to God. I wouldn't mind celebrating Christmas with Dad and my granddad and see old brother Monty. It don't make no difference to me, friend. I've done seen enough of the sin and shame and heartache and heartbreak. And I'm telling you, I'm saying even so come Lord Jesus. Now that, that tears my family's nerves up. Beck says, Daddy, I hope to get married and give you grandchildren. And John said, Daddy, I'd like to do this. 
I said, the Lord understands teenagers' hearts. He understands all that. But hey, before you was ever born, John the Beloved said, even so come quickly. Honey, he didn't even wait on you to get born. But in reality, he already saw you before you got born. Can you handle that? You say you're crazy. I know. I, I didn't get to take my medicine this morning. I forgot it. So if I, if I get Abraham on the white horse, and if I get Jesus, uh, I mean, somewhere down there, and in, 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 listen, if I get him in the wrong place, you just have to just look over me because I forgot my medicine this morning. Didn't bring it with me. But before you was ever born, or father, or before your daddy was born, or before your great-granddaddy was born, guess what John saw? John saw us all riding white horses and coming back. Amen, amen. You say, how do you explain all that? I don't know how to explain it. I'm just glad he saw me, friend. I was in that number of Revelation 19. Well, he sees the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. And, and he sees the whole thing. Me and you just see 50. I crossed 50. Can you believe that? Good night, I'm half a century old. And I used to think when people was 40, they're old. 45, they're about dead. 50, get them out. Get them. They're going out of here. I'm 50. One of the men asked me, how's that trunk run? I said, well, I ain't really got down on it hard yet. You know, I do know it'll spin the tires a little bit. I've still got a lot of that kid left in me. But what I'm trying to say is the Lord knows it all. You said, Brother Buster, they called me from Florida the other week, about eight weeks ago now, seven or eight weeks, I said the other week. I was supposed to be down a week after next for revival. And they said, uh, how are you coming? I said, there's one thing for sure, I'm not driving. I said, I come down the last two years on planes. They said, aren't you afraid to fly with all this terrorism? I said, I don't care if a towel-headed Muslim's driving the plane. I'll fly to Florida. <laughs> That's what I said. You say, but for, listen, I am not going to let this fear grip my heart, push me in a hole, uh, and make me act like, listen, I'm an ostrich, afraid to look up to see what's going on. Uh, I'm going to enjoy my Christian life with the help of God as much as within me is. Uh, I want to enjoy the blessings of God and keep on doing something for the Lord, because I believe he's in control. The watchers at midnight. But all of a sudden, fear turned into great joy. I believe one of them said to the other, said, did you hear what they're singing? Glory to God in the highest. Did you hear what that angel said to us? Fear not. Fear not. Amen. Thank God. When he saved me, he put a fear not in me. A fear not in there. That, now, I know there's been times when my mind feels like it's going to snap. And, I mean, there's been times, and Brother Barton knows, when he's talking to me on the phone, all I could do was cry and weep. And, and my mind was playing tricks on me. And I, I know about that. I know about that. But in my heart, there's a deep set of peace. <laughs> Amen. And then the watchers of the midnight, the first Christmas was kind of fearful. Right, it wasn't what we thought it is sometimes it. But then think about the wonder of the maid. Not only the watchers of the midnight, but what about the wonder of the maid? When you get to thinking about Mary, in Luke chapter number 1, over there we read a little bit. Look at verse number 29. The Bible said now we've got Gabriel showing up in verse 26. He's sitting to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin spouse to a man whose name was Joseph. of the house of David, you notice it said his spouse there. 
And then later on he said, Joseph, fear not taking thee, marry thy wife. Expouse and wife was considered the same thing then. He had, that was the trophel in that day. Don't, I can't get off into that and try to describe all that. But you see, when they, in that betrothal period of one year, they were even called husband and wife, and they never came together. That's true. And, uh, and, and he, here we see in verse 27, to a virgin expounced to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came into her and said, Hell. I mean, man, she had never seen an angel that I know of. And all of a sudden, Gabriel shows up and said, uh, Hail, thou art thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at this thing and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, fear not, for thou hast found favor with God. Oh, man, can you imagine, you know what I heard the other day? Some believe she could have been as young as 13 to 15 years old. 13 to 15 years old. They said at about the age of 12 and 13 is when the betrothal time came. And the moms and dads were the ones that carried this thing up by here. Now, I don't know if all that's true or not. That's just what I heard. I mean, she's a young woman. She's a young child. She's a virgin. Now, not a child, but a virgin. A young virgin. And all of a sudden, she's expired. She is engaged. She is considered already married. Just hadn't carried out the marriage ceremony to a man by the name of Joseph. And the angel Gabriel showed up and said, you're going to have a baby. And she got all tore up. I mean, man, I mean that tear anybody's, that tear any woman's nurse up. She got, she went on down through there and she said in verse, what is it? She said in verse 34, Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? I know not a man. That means she never had relations, that relationship with Joseph in a sexual way. She said, I know not a man. She never had not a man. She never knew a man until she had to, until after she'd had her firstborn son. And here you see, number one, the relationship that God has. Here's what I see right here. The spiritual world upon which Mary had encountered brought tears. I see, I see the spiritual world and the personal experience that upon which she must enter. She was called on to bear the, 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 the child Christ. And hey, now you might say, boy, oh boy, man, man, she should have shouted and been glad. I know we come on down there and you have her visitation to Elizabeth. That, and you have the announcement that she made. But at first, she was full of fear. I don't know that she at first didn't think, well, maybe I'll have to know a man. It could have been possible. But at first, she thought, I'll have to know a man to have a child. And she knew what that would mean. You know what? I mean, can you not imagine that in your mind? There wasn't no other way of having a child. But by knowing a man. And she said, I know not a man. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, verse 31, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he goes on down through there and said, He shall be great, shall be called the son of the highest, shall give unto him the throne of his father David, he shall reign over the house of David forever. But look at this. Then said Mary and the angel, verse 34, How shall this be? She said, I know not a man. 
And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the high shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born to thee shall be called the Son of God. And then in verse 37, For with God nothing shall be impossible. And when she found out in verse 36 that Elizabeth, her cousin, had, had conceived a, a son in her old age, a boy, and became a boy, uh, man, I mean, that helped Mary to believe that. And when she found out she wasn't going to have to know a man, that, but the Holy Ghost was going to overshadow her, and this would be a virgin birth, she said in verse number 38, Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, and be it unto me according to thy word. Hey, she said, All right, I submit. Yes, I'll do it for the glory of God. I'm not going to have to know a man. I'm not going to have to commit fornication. I will not break my vows to Joseph. I'll have the Holy Ghost. You say that's impossible. Well, the Bible says, verse 37, with God, nothing shall be done. Medical science says this cannot be. I know we live in a day of artificial insemination. And I, I mean, I'm not trying to be vulgar, but this is something we all know about. I was over in North Carolina, the middle part of the state, a couple weeks ago. And there's a couple had triplets. Triplets. And they couldn't have no children. They tried, 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 tried. And so they came to the pastor, and the doctor recommended. Now, I'm not going to get into this in, in detail, but they take from the dad and implant into the mother, and it'd be all natural. And they came to the pastor and said, Pastor, what do you think? And he'd been preaching a long time. He said, Brother Buster, what would you have said? Well, I, I'd have said, I think it would have been all right. You know, They couldn't do it naturally, but they took from the dad, they placed into the mom, and they bypassed a few little things there, and guess what? He is wanting one and got three. <laughs> I like that. That's like that couple who couldn't have no children, and the pastor come by and they asked the pastor to pray, and they said, "Would you anoint us with oil?" He forgot to bring the olive oil. He said, "What kind of oil y'all got?" And she said, "I got some three and one oil in here." Said, "I use it with my sewing machine." He said, "Go get it." He poured three and one oil over her head. He prayed over them. I mean, he got down, begged God to touch her and her. Help her for her husband. Honey, I mean, when she conceived, she had three. Three. And the pastor got the call that the babies had been born. He went down there and there's three of them. I mean, three of them popped out. And you know what she said? She said, the only thing I know is I'm glad you didn't have TNW 40. I mean, Lord, I'd have never. I'm just saying with God, nothing shall be impossible. I know there's artificial insemination today, but that's not what took place here. The Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. Uh, this is such a holy thing. It's like God drapes the veil around it. Uh, and God planted in her womb uh, the Son of God. Amen. So you see, the relationship that God asked, He asked her. You let you be the you be the vehicle. You you be the means of transportation to bring my son into the world. And the reaction that God found, she said, Mary said to the angel, How should this thing be? Then when she found out she wasn't going to break any of the laws, she was not going to be, become a transgressor in any way. See, Mary was very concerned about the word of God and things. She found out the Holy Ghost overshadowed her. She responded and said, Be it unto thy hand, maiden. That's the response that God received. At first she was scared, see. And then 
The response was, be it unto thy handmaiden. I looked that word handmaiden up. It means female slave. She said, Lord, I'm yours. I mean, she is a believer, friend. She said, Lord, I'm yours. I'm just like a female slave. And that's not in the wrong connotation. Paul said he was a bond slave. When you belong to the Lord, you don't mind being a slave. I was a slave to the devil before I got saved. He was my father, and the lust of my father I did. But thank God, now that I've been saved, I'm a bond slave. You think about being, being a slave to Christ, ain't too bad. The slave owner had to take care of his own. Feed them and clothe them and chew them and take care of them. It's been a pretty good trip for me. I ain't got a thing to complain about. And then you see the response that she received. There's the submission that he received, the submission of the saints. Whatever you want, Lord, whatever you want. By the way, when you get saved, that ought to be the response you give to God Almighty. Yeah, it's one thing to be saved. And when you got saved that very moment, you ran the white flag of surrender up. You had to to get saved. You were willing to repent. You didn't know all this. You didn't know all these terminologies and all these words. But you repented. You were willing to turn from your own, the control of your own life and turn it over to God. And you said, yes, Lord, please save me. Yes, I don't want to die and go to hell. Lord, please come into my heart, my life. You didn't even know all the right, I didn't even know all the right words to say. Well, I've, I've, I've met deaf people discuss that. I've met mute people that can't talk that got saved. Amen. And they'll just say, I've had him to do that, and Jesus' knees will break out all over me. Them just go, come in. He came in in here. And I know what they're talking about. You see, that's the mission of the saints. And then the salvation that was secured. Can you imagine? Think about the deliverance that took place here. God knew she would, and Mary found out she would. But humanly speaking, what if she hadn't been willing to? I mean, I know, God knew she would. God knew the end for the beginning. But humanly speaking, what if she hadn't been willing to? Now, get this. There'd have been no Christmas. There'd have been no Savior. There'd have been, there'd have been no, no Calvary. There'd have been no salvation. If, humanly speaking, if she had not been willing to. I got to thinking about this. What about us? Are we totally surrendered to God? I mean, our, our family salvation may hinge in there somewhere. Friends. Salvation may hinge in there somewhere. What about those? Are we? You, you think about those that are on farm fields this morning with carrying the gospel as missionaries. By their excuse, well, I believe God would have raised up somebody else uh, and sent them over there if they hadn't been willing to go. I'm not going to argue with you right there, uh, but I'd rather be submissive myself. Amen. And God had to raise up somebody else in my place. I thought about the radio ministry. A lot of people don't think much about it. Man, I come through these things out most of the time, unless I am deep in thought on something else. And I get through them mountains, come through there, and I get on 720. And I'll follow it all the way to Spartanburg, or I'll follow it all the way to the other side of Black Mountain over that way. And, listen. and you know, I hear the announcers, and I, I listen to the different ones that speak. You know, they stood up there in that little crow's nest. You know, they don't get a lot of glory, a lot of publicity, and things like that. There's a lot of work goes on here behind the scenes that nobody sees. But you know what? I'm glad God's keeping it right Amen. Hey, and you don't know. You say, well, brother, brother, it's not much, and everybody else is doing this and doing that, going to the mission field or the evangelist or this. If that's where God's called you and God's put you back there in that office, teaching a, teaching a class back there in school, or the janitor of this church, or up in that crow's nest, hey, it means something to God. 
Now, we're getting off a Christmas story a little bit. with The wonder of the maid here, but I see something else. God help us that it would be a wonder in our lives that we'd be surrendered to God. Totally surrendered. And then last of all, there's the wonder of the maid. There is the worry of the man. The worry of the man. I thought about afraid of Christmas. The first Christmas was the time of fear. At first, you've got the watchers at midnight full of fear. Then you've got the Mary, you've got the wonder of the maid, she's full of fear. And both of them get a message, fear not. But now wait a minute, what about Joseph? Come back to Matthew for a second. Matthew chapter number one. You know these stories. But in Matthew chapter number one, the Bible said in verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his before they were married and had any uh, marital uh, relationship, she, the Bible said she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now that might mean something to you, but it didn't mean to Joseph. First thing runs through Joseph's mind, I believe the very first thing that ran through his mind is Mary's been unfaithful. That's the only thing he could think. Mary has been unfaithful. That Mary, because he knew she hadn't been with him. So the first thing his natural mind thinks is she's been with somebody else. The Bible said in verse 19, why'd you drive on me? That's true. Verse 19, it kind of, kind of substantiates that. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily, privily. In other words, he was going to put her away in a quiet way. He was going to set her aside. And the only way you can do that, now, you're going back under the mosaical law there, and it was during the time of betrothal that if a man found his wife to be with child or unfaithful, he could give her a bill of divorcement during that one year's time. Now, a lot of people don't believe all that, but that's the Bible. That's the customs in the Bible. And the Bible said he was not willing to make her a public, he didn't want to embarrass her. But he said, I'll just do this thing in the private way. I'll just put her away. I'll give her a bill of divorcement. She surely must have been with some other man. He's probably thinking, my Mary, my Mary, how could you do this? And then notice in verse number 20. But while he thought, while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not. Honey, he got a message too. Boy, he's laying there and he's thought about it so much he's even dreaming about it now. And he's probably thinking she's been with some other man. And in that dream, all I know to tell you was in that dream he was having, the angel of the Lord showed up and said, Fear not, Joseph. He said to take unto thee Mary, notice, thy wife. See how it calls her, calls her his wife. Espoused and wife. They go together here. He said to take unto thee, Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and listen, the angel of the Lord didn't have to give Joseph a ten-week Bible study about the Holy Ghost. That's all he says, by the Holy Ghost. I believe Joseph knew who the Holy Ghost was. Amen. He said she's been, she's conceived and what's in her is of the Holy Ghost. 
and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Now when this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying behold a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son they shall call his name Emmanuel which is being interpreted uh, is being interpreted as God with us. Then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. I believe he went running when he woke up. I believe he was as happy. Now before, when he was thinking about this, he was full of fear and dread. And the worry of this man, I mean, there was worry in his mind. But after the Lord showed up and spoke to him through that angel in that dream, I believe he ran to where Mary was. She was probably weeping. He had probably already told her, I'm going to have to put you away, Mary. You've disgraced me. You've dishonored God. And maybe she tried to tell him, Joseph, the child is of the Holy Ghost. I've never knew a man. I'm being faithful to you. I've been true to you. And maybe she said he's of the Holy Ghost, this child is. Well, all of a sudden, Joseph finds out that's the way it is. He goes running back to her and tells her. <laughs> I believe he hugged her and they cried and wept. I believe he said, Mary, the Lord showed up in a dream to me and said, the child's your king is of the Holy Ghost. She said, I tried to tell you. I tried to tell you. Of the Holy Ghost. See the worry of this man? I mean, you've got to consider this. The reason he wanted to put her away privily or privately was because of the tongues that were going to be unkind. You could, you've heard that song that Primitive Quartet sings, Who Could Believe Such a Thing as This? But I believe all throughout Jerusalem, I believe all throughout town, people begin to say, hey, look at Mary. She's espoused to Joseph, but if I, it, it looks to me like she's putting on a little weight. It looks to me like she's gaining a little weight. Don't it? Do y'all girls look at her? I don't, I don't believe Mary tried necessarily to hide this. I don't believe she tried to hide it. Now, I do know that she went up to Elizabeth. I do know that. I know she went up there and stayed, but that was after she had conceived the child by the Holy Ghost. I know that's in the Bible, and that's just coming to my mind right now. But uh, Joseph was afraid of the tongues that would be unkind. And boy, people can be very unkind. Hey, I can hear some, some of them saying, well, yeah, she was old religious girl. She was goody two-shoes, and look at her now. Yeah, look here. Boy, what about it, Joseph? You and Mary, uh, you're not even commenced the service yet. And, and, and look at her. She's with child. Joseph would say she's a child of the Holy Ghost. They'd laugh. Who'd ever heard of such a thing? Who could believe such a thing? Thank God I did one. <laughs> yeah, hallelujah. Thank you for running that in by me, Lord. See, our Lord entered into this world under the shadow of fornication. They told later on, they said, we be not born of fornication. See, that thing, that was still following him. He was over 30 years old when they said that. They said, let us tell you something, Jesus. We be not born to fornication. They knew about his past. And that slur, that lie had been going and going and going all during his infancy, all during his adolescence, all during his life. That followed him. The tongues that were unkind. The truth that was unknown. So what do you mean? Who could they tell? Who would believe? I see Mary and Joseph go to Mary's parents if they were alive. You think they believed? Huh? Well, I mean, really, naturally speaking, humanly speaking, would you have believed? Would you have believed? I mean, let's just face it. We wouldn't have done it. It just don't happen that way. But it did. 
Who could they go to? Could they? The only one Mary could go to was Elizabeth, her cousin. Praise God! Elizabeth was about six months along when Mary, when Mary conceived of the Holy Ghost, and she ran up there and said, "Elizabeth, oh Elizabeth, let me tell you something." Elizabeth, I know that you have got a child in your womb that's about six months along. The, 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 the angel of the Lord told me that. And uh, you and uh, Zacharias have got a child in your old age. And she said, I'm a child of the Holy Ghost. And she said that. She told him how he shall be great. Shall be then John the Baptist, listen, John was in Mary's womb. And the Bible said that John was filled with the Holy Ghost. And had a spell. The baby leaped within her wombs. That doesn't mean he just started to kick a little bit. Uh, and let everybody know he was around. He leaped. Old Brother Phil kid said he wretched up and grabbed her topsails and jumped up. And, and said, that's him. That's him. That's him. Well, I did it, but John leaped. He might have done a backflip and flipped over backwards and said, That's him. That's him. I'm feeling like preaching now. Amen. That babe was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. You see, when you get saved, tongues will be unkind. You ever had, remember when you first got saved, how people stared at you and said unkind things? You got you, boy, I got three haircuts in one weekend. Y'all heard me tell that. Turquoise rings were gone. Platform shoes was gone. Bell-bottom breeches was gone. Turquoise necklace was gone. Come back in carrying a King James Schoolfield Bible on Monday morning. After I left on Friday, they said he smoked some bad dope. Man, he's got something full of angel dust or something. I mean, he has lost his ever-loving mind. They still think I have. I'm telling you, I mean, listen, they said unkind, harsh things. It'll happen when you get saved. And sometimes they don't even, who can you tell? They don't believe sometimes. I've been telling this story for 25 years. But every now and then, somebody will say, say what? <laughs> As it were, with that inner ear, say what? Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters and buy and drink without money, without price. Old Brother LeBond Boatner preached a message one time on, hey there. <laughs> you remember when the Holy Ghost came by and said, hey there. And you said, do what? in here yeah some of you get the connection after a while the truth that was unknown the tongues that were unkind and the trust that was unafraid I find Joseph trusting here in such an unafraid way he said that's okay Mary that's okay Mary verse 25 of Matthew 1 and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son Call, he called his name Jesus. Amen. He never touched her in a, in a marital way. He never touched her until she... They were even married. Their marriage was consummated before Jesus was born. Good possibility, unless they had just got engaged recently. It takes nine months. Am I right about that, ladies? About nine months. And uh, so they might have just been engaged a month. The Bible doesn't say. You doctors, can you help me? Doesn't say how long they'd been betrothed together. So if they just got betrothed and this happened, well, you know, uh, it would have still worked out if you look at it in that, that light right there. But all of a sudden, he, he doesn't know her. He doesn't know her during any of the engagement. He never knew her after till they till she had brought forth her firstborn son. I can see, as it were, I see Mary, I see Joseph. 
I see the shepherds come down there. But can you imagine Joseph as he helps deliver the child and uh, wraps him in swaddling clothes, hands him to Mary, and Mary's sitting on her knee rocking deity, somebody said. Honey, can you think about that? I mean, the hands, the hands, the hand that meted out the heavens. I mean, the mouth that spoke the worlds into existence. The eyes that looked beyond her faults and saw her need. And, and was, was, was wrapped up in swallowing clothes and, 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 and just couldn't say nothing because he, he was a baby. And I believe the first words he ever spoke, I believe they said, say, J J Joseph, J J Joseph, say, say, Mary, Mary. I believe the first words he ever spoke were, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, which means Dada, Dada. And I wasn't talking about Joseph. I was talking about his Galatians 4, his heavenly father. Hmm? You know, historians tell us now, I'm just rambled around here, had a good time on. Well, I'm telling you, it's been well worth the trip. I preached over here one time on it's well worth the trip. Y'all remember that in 94? I got all that wrote down. See, 94, I preached over here on it's well worth the trip. I said those wise men wasn't a bunch of dummies riding a bunch of, listen, listen, a bunch of camels with no sense. I said they had good sense. They were wise men, educated men, learned men. And, it, and it, as they left out after they had seen the Lord Jesus, they said one of them to the other, it's well worth the trip. But I see Mary rocking deity. I see Joseph taking care of the Lord Jesus. You see, somehow Jesus, Joseph taught Jesus the carpenter's trade because they said, is not this the son of the carpenter? And I do not know and uh, when, I believe he did, but I do not know when Joseph died. Because after a certain period of time in the Bible, there's no more mention of Joseph anymore. It's always just Mary, Mary, Mary. And I don't believe that's because Joseph is in the background. I really do believe Joseph died. I believe it was after the Lord was maybe in his teenage years, a young man, maybe 20 years. See, Jesus didn't step out to, become, to begin his earthly ministry till he was 30 years old. 30. So if Joseph had passed away when he was 20 or 25, the Lord had done learn the trade. Can, can we fantasize for a minute? And uh, let's say Joseph is, is dying. He, he's nigh unto death. And all, see, Jesus had siblings. He had, Joseph and Mary had other children after Christ was born. And you know that. And, uh, and so I can see maybe Mary calling everybody in. She said, everybody needs to come now. Uh, looks like Joseph is going to go home to paradise. And all of you, we need to get around here. If you got anything to say to, to Dad, well, to Joseph, to Jesus, it was his foster dad. And maybe the Lord waited outside to everybody else who went in and said their goodbyes. And maybe Jesus walked up on the porch and took his earthly mother and held her and said, Mother, I know you can't understand this, but I know exactly how you feel. Because he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. We have a merciful high priest who can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He said, Mom... I know how you feel. And she kept all these, there was times she'd see things, she'd keep all these sayings and things in her mind and her heart. And then I see, as everybody else had been in, he goes in, the Lord Jesus, to see his foster father, Joseph. And Joseph with a fevered brow, as it were, laying there and gasping for breath. Oh, Jesus could have touched him. Jesus could have raised him from the dead. He did Lazarus. He did the widow of Nain's son. He did Jairus' daughter. Did he not? I can see the Lord walk in 
and maybe kneel down and pat Joseph on the fevered brow and hold his hand. And he said, Joseph, I said, Father, as it were, not Father, as we talk. But he said, Joseph, I am so glad that my father picked you to be my earthly dad. And, uh, man, this gets holy to me as I can view this in my mind and kind of picture something here. I see Joseph look up to him and say, Son, I'm so glad your father let me be your earthly dad and chose me to raise you and give me the honor to raise you. And then I see Jesus look at Joseph and say, Now, my father is going to take care of you just like you've taken care of me all these years. And where you're going, where you're going, I'll soon be a coming. <laughs> where you're going, Abraham's bosom, I'll soon be a coming. And when I come down there, I'm going to get you out. We'll be getting out. And we'll be going <laughs> to my father. Oh, the little wheel and the big wheels are churning in my soul. But there was fear that first Christmas morning. Fear. Fear. See, this lost world, they don't know. They've X'd Christ out. I hate those signs. Xmas, Xmas. They've X'd Christ out of Christmas. This thing has become so... What is the right word? Commercialized everything. But for the believer, there's no fear. No. No, there's a calmness and there's a serenity that we know Christ. Thank God. Thank God for the plays that will be in pageantries and, and, and all those things. Thank God for the uh, nativity scenes. We've got one out in front of the yard and got the Bible inside the house with lights around the Bible, the Word of God on the Gospel of Luke right there. And uh, thank God, I, I, just, I like this time of year because even people that don't know the Lord give Him publicity. You hear me? Even those that don't know Him give Him publicity. Hey, but if you're not saved, then in reality, Christ doesn't mean anything to you really. He's just a person. He's just a man. And this Christmas thing is all to you. All it is is gifts and food and eating. And when I was lost, I'm, I'm sorry to say this, it was drinking, partying. That's all we thought about. And then we'd go through Christmas like that, couldn't wait for New Year's Eve. And then New Year's to party again. That's all it was. But thank God, thank God, thank God. There was an invasion made in my life. <laughs> my atmosphere got suddenly changed. One night. Yeah. And one long after that, I said yes and submitted and it's been different ever since. Different ever since. Well, let's bow our heads. I'm through preaching. You've been very, very good to listen. Thank you so much. I appreciate my little youngins praying for me this morning. They've prayed. They've asked me to preach and said, Preacher, we'll pray for you. They said, Brother Buster, we ain't never heard you miss. I said, don't say that. And I appreciate they're, they're on their knees now. Some of them praying. I wonder if there's anybody here this morning lost. Lost without the Lord Jesus. Lost without the Christ who makes Christmas what it really is. Is there anyone here this morning lost? Just slip up your hand and say, Preacher, pray for me. Pray for me. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe some of us would like to come this morning. This will probably be the last opportunity we have. Christmas is what it's on Tuesday this year. A lot of churches won't even have church tonight. A lot of them don't. They won't have. But maybe you'd like to come and just bow down and say thank you, Father, for the greatest gift that you could have ever given for such a like as me. Maybe you'd like to come and pray. We'll close out this way. I'm not trying to put any pressure on you. 
I just want you to obey the Lord. Maybe, maybe you've been kind of caught up in all the hustle and bustle and we need to come apart now. Just get quiet before the Lord and pray for the service tonight. Pray for the service that God would use that service to speak to sinners who have promised to be here. Pastor Barton told us that. Let's pray about those things. Father, in Jesus' name, we bow before you. And Lord, I thank you for that unspeakable gift that the apostle